Well, tonight on the show, we have a country legend with 21 number one hits to his name and a recent Rockabilly Hall of Fame member. Of course, we have T.G. Shepard on the phone line with us right now. T.G., thanks so much for spending some time with us. I'm, oh, it's, it's great to hear your voice today. Everything okay with you, Glenn? You know, we can't complain. Things could be a lot worse. How about you, T.G.? How's it going with you? Well, it's a beautiful day in Nashville, and... Uh, my wife, Kelly, and I are getting ready to head out on a little vacation tomorrow and go up to the East Coast for a few days. But uh, life is good, and hopefully we can hold COVID off a little while longer. Yeah, I sure hope so, too. We'll keep our fingers crossed for it. How have you been dealing with it so far? Have you been able to get out and, and do much at all? Well, I went in for the and, and was vaccinated because I felt it was important that I do that, and Kelly did, too. And uh, we, we had to cancel out our whole year of 2020. And, of course, a few dates now in 2021 are starting to move to 2022. So we're not out of the woods yet, but I think we've weathered the storm as best as we can. Well, TG, I've got a show lined up where I'm going to play a lot of your biggest hits. We won't have time to play all of them because you've had too many. But uh, what I kind of want to do is <laughs> I want to get to know you a little bit and, and talk about some of those hits and talk about your career and uh, I guess where it all started for you was Humboldt, Tennessee, right? Yeah, I was born in, in Humboldt, Tennessee, and then uh, ran away from home at uh, 15 years old to chase this dream that God let me catch. And uh, I've never looked back. So, yeah, and that's where I did all my dreaming in Humboldt. And I've been very fortunate to have had most of my dreams come true. And the place you ran away to was uh, Memphis, Tennessee, which uh, at that time, was that the place to go if you wanted to be a musician? Or I guess it was one of them. Well, if you wanted to go into pop music, you went to uh, Memphis. If you wanted to be a country singer, you went to Nashville. But I was influenced heavily by Roy Orbison and uh, Charlie Rich and uh, Jerry Lee Lewis and people like that. So I hitchhiked to Memphis. But, uh, no, I, uh, I really and truly was able to uh, leave home at 15 and, and chase the dream and, and catch it. Yeah, some of those Sun Records guys you mentioned there, and the biggest of those being uh, Elvis Presley, who you got to know and become friends with uh, over the years. Well, when I ran away from home, Glenn, I bumped into Elvis late one night at a skating rink in Memphis, and uh, he befriended me, and I went in and skated with he and the Mafia for about three or four hours, and then after that, we went to Graceland and had the famous peanut butter and banana sandwich. And, <laughs> That was a that was the start of a friendship that really and truly lasted until the day he passed. I bet you could tell some stories about Elvis. You know, I've talked to some artists that have <laughs> been able to rub elbows with him. Richard Sturban told me a, a great story uh, about Elvis and at a prank that he pulled on them. And um, I, I just imagine he was he was a joy to be around. Well, he was just he was just like us. He was one of us. I mean, he. There was very little ego when you were sitting talking to Elvis because he was still that country guy from Tupelo, Mississippi that became a superstar. And he, he gave me some of the greatest advice one time, Glenn, when my career was starting to take off. He gifted me with my first tour bus. He bought me a tour bus and got me started. And the, the advice he gave me was, he said, I want to tell you something. And if you'll listen to me, it'll help you in your career. And I said, what's that, Elvis? And he said, Always remember that if you ever forget where you came from, you're never going to get where you want to go. Keep your feet on the ground. There's no room for large egos in this business. So I kind of applied that to my life and career. And he never forgot where he came from either. And then to this day, you're still kind of attached to Elvis. You're on the uh, 
Elvis Radio, Sirius XM channel. You've got your own show on there, don't you? Yeah, we're on every Friday from 2 to 6 Central, a uh, four-hour show every Friday. We've, we're into our third year. We've, we've been very fortunate to have had some great, great guests on there, like Barry Gibb and Olivia Newton-John, Lytle Ritchie. Oh, my gosh, you name it. And they, Jake Owen, uh, Luke Bryan. We, we've had Dolly Parton. We've had everybody on the show. And I'm having a lot of fun doing that show on Fridays. Going back to the early days of your career, TG, you were opening for some amazing acts back then. Uh, the Animals, Jan and Dean, the Beach Boys. What was that like? <laughs> well, that's back in the pop days when I thought I was going to be a pop singer, but I, it just didn't happen for me. I, I wound up being a country singer, but it was an exciting time because the Beach Boys were on fire and the surfing days of Jan and Dean and, and uh, of course, the uh, English group, the Animals. Those were very, very exciting times for me, and I was a little out of my element being a country boy from Memphis, but uh, I managed to uh, wind up having a career in country music through... Uh, I went to work for RCA Victor as a record promotion executive many years later, and one of my artists on the label told me that I needed to quit promoting records and become a singer, country singer, and that person was Waylon Jennings. So I finally found a home in country music, didn't quite make it in pop music, but had a lot of fun opening up for those huge pop acts. Well, I understand it was during your days as a promoter that you decided to record Devil in the Bottle yourself because you couldn't get other people to record it. Is that kind of how it went? Yeah, I, I thought the song was always a hit, plan, but, you know, I pushed it to Charlie Pride and Waylon and so many other country artists on RCA, and they all told me they didn't think it was a hit. And I just believed in the song so much, and... uh so when I got the opportunity to do my own uh, record contract with Motown of all labels, Barry Gordy discovered me. I uh, went and pulled that song out and recorded it, and lo and behold, it became my first uh, number one, first of 21 number one. Well, you said it. Signing with Motown, which looking back now seems kind of crazy, but I guess they were starting to branch into country music back in those days, right? Well, they were. They were starting a country label in Nashville. They had just signed... Uh, Another guy named Pat Boone, which we all know who Pat Boone uh -huh. is, and uh, and another guy called Judge Strunk, which was uh, was on the label. And I just happened to be at the right place at the right time and, and signed the contract to become one of their first country artists. Where did the name T.G. Shepard come from? That's not your given name. So uh, <laughs> how'd you come up with it? Well, I just sat down one day and, and thought, well, you know, I'm working for RCA Victor. And my real name was Bill Browder. And I didn't want to lose my job at RCA because it was, it was a conflict of interest recording for Motown and getting a paycheck from RCA as a promoter. So I thought, well, I'll go under an assumed name. So I just sat down and put some initials together and Shepard kind of, I don't know where that came from, but it just, <laughs> it just happened. And Initials were very big back then. You had B.J. Thomas and C.W. McCall and Tom T. Hall, who we just lost recently. But uh, I don't know. I just sat down and, and made the name up, and it stuck. Well, I guess you picked the right initials because it's worked out pretty well for you over a storied career. Uh, turn the page to 1976, which was a big one, named Best New Artist by Cashbox. You know, I, yeah, that was one of the highlights. To 
finally win an award. Uh, we we managed to win a few awards in our career. We never won the Entertainer of the Year award, but that's okay. Um, I think I realized that I had arrived in my career, Glenn, when I was able to play the White House for presidents a couple of times for Reagan and then for Bush. So it, it's moments like that when you realize that you've done something, when you look around and, you, and you're playing at the White House of all places. So, you know, winning awards was great, but playing the White House and other venues kind of were highlights too. How does that differ performing in front of that type of audience as opposed to, to a regular show? Does it heighten things quite a bit? Yeah, it did, and it was, and it's a hard crowd to play to because the crowds that I enjoy playing to are the dyed in the wool country fans who know the words to the songs, and, and of course, I was sitting there playing to a lot of politicians and people like that who probably didn't know anything about me or my music or anything, <laughs> and so uh, yeah, it, it was a hard crowd to play to, but the honor of playing there was just huge. Well, uh, you, we talked about the 21 number one hits. We we don't have time to touch on all of them, but I do want to get some of the stories behind some of them. And I'll start with my favorite, uh, Last Cheater's Waltz. What can you remember about uh, recording that one and taking it to the top? Well, it was written by Sonny Throgmorton, a great Texan. I don't know. I just I heard the song uh, in the uh, in the. Uh, publishing company that was pushing songs to me at the time and I heard it and I said this is a hit I think it had already been recorded by somebody else but it it was just an album cut and when I heard it I thought wow this could be a standard because many years ago Roger Miller told me Glenn he said TG if you can hook a song that is a waltz you've got a song that will last forever and man he was right we just played it last month uh, on your birthday, actually, on my show, and, and we'll be playing it again when, when this show airs. I, I love that song. Um, how about Do You Want to Go to Heaven? Well, you know, story songs, I, I have always loved story songs, and I think we've gotten away from that in country music the last few years. It's it's more of a beat and a feel now as opposed to stories and melodies. Do You Want to Go to Heaven was one of those unique songs. It, it was one of those kind of songs that was written on Monday, uh, recorded on Tuesday, released on Wednesday, and went number one on Thursday. It was a very fast, very fast record because it was just a fun story song. One of my all-time favorites, too, is I Loved Them Every One. I believe that is my mom's favorite song of yours as well. Well, I found that song, uh, it had been sitting in a closet for over 10 years at the publishing company. I pulled it out one day and I said, where did this song come from? And my producer, Buddy Killen, uh, said to me, he said, well, it, it was written 10, 12 years ago. And I said, well, it's very current right now. So we went in the studio and I was really shocked uh, when it crossed over into the top 20 pop charts because it was really edgy. It wasn't really a traditional country type song, a record. It was more of a pop sound. And of course, that was back in the urban cowboy area when everything was taking off pop wise on in country music. So we struck with that one, and it just kind of really became one of our big ones. Did it feel like you kind of came full circle when you tried to start out in the pop world? It didn't quite happen. Go country, and now all of a sudden your country songs are, are charting on the pop side. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I did think about that, Glenn. I thought, wow, I never thought I would wind up in the pop charts after not making it as a pop artist. But lo and behold, I think uh, everything is in timing in, in life and your career, and 
the timing was just off for me in the early part of my career. But yeah, we, we finally wound up on the pop charts a few times and it was always a highlight. Well, tonight we're talking to one of the great country singers of all time, T.G. Shepard. And, and your song Party Time, T.G., I saw was actually ranked by Newsweek as the 57th best country song of all time. I bet that felt pretty good. Well, it did. And it still to this day is one of those popular songs in concert that you have to do because it puts everybody in a party mood. Everybody knows the words to the song. They sing along with you. It was written by a great writer, singer, Bruce Chanel, who had a big hit years ago called Hey Baby. Uh, so, yeah, a funny story about Party Time, Glenn, is not many people know this, but I got ready to record Party Time, and my producer said, you can't record it. And I said, why? And he said, well, Jerry Lee Lewis is recording that tomorrow. And I said, oh, man, I said, this is a big, big record. Well, lo and behold, for some reason, Jerry Lee Lewis didn't record it the next day, and I rushed into the studio and cut it, and it became one of the biggest songs of 1981. That's crazy. What, what did the killer think about all that? Well, we never really discussed it, but, but you know, we go back a ways. But he did record Last Cheater's Waltz on one of his albums, Jerry Lee did, and he always loved that song. But I don't know if he ever did really hear the song or it just didn't make the cut that day when they got ready to record. Does it get pretty competitive sometimes when, when singers are looking at, at the same songs as other singers? I mean, I, I hear so many stories of a song that could have been somebody else's and it, it just fascinates me the path some of these songs end up taking. I'll tell you I'll tell you a great story. I was doing a concert with Kenny Rogers and of course Kenny was one of my dearest and closest friends. I did I opened up on his shows for years as his opening act, and we had just done the Arizona State Fair, and he asked me to give him a ride in my limo out to his airplane. Of course, he flew by jet, and I was, you know, I was in a bus. So we went out, and he said, step up in the plane here. I want to play you my new single. And uh, so I get up in the plane, and I put the earphones on, and I hear this song, and I said, oh, man, are you kidding me? This is your new single this week? He said, yeah. I said, I was getting ready to release this next month as my next single. <laughs> and the song was, She Believes in Me. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, so you miss a few of them every now and then because of timing uh, or, or competing with another artist. But when you compete with somebody as big as Kenny Rogers, you're going to lose everything. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love stories like that. Again, T.G. Shepard is with us tonight, and uh, his current album is out. Uh, it's called Midnight in Memphis. So what can you tell us about this latest project, T.G.? Well, the first single off of it was a song called I Want to Live Like Elvis, and of course, they kind of fit, that's kind of the theme song of my uh, T.G. Shepard show on Sirius XM Elvis Radio every week. Um, the, the album was my first, it is my first country solo album in 22 years. I don't know why I waited so long. But I just went in and, and recorded some of the best songs I could find. And then, of course, the second single from that album is a song called I'm a Song. And I, I came out with the tune I'm a Song because we've lost so many great performers this past year. We've lost not just Kenny Rogers and Mac Davis and B.J. Thomas and Earl Thomas Conley and Charlie Pride and Charlie Daniels. The list goes on forever. I just felt like that I'm a Song was a tribute to those great artists that are no longer with us. But the song really and truly says that long after the singer is gone, their music lives on. So that's why I released that song from the Midnight in Memphis album. But 
but it feels good to get out and do concerts now and do new music in the concert. Even this past weekend, TG, with uh, with Tom T. Hall and Don Everly both passing away a day apart, um, it's it has it has been a rough year for losing some of our favorite artists. Well, you know, it, it's and and all these people are friends of mine, and it just really and truly is just uh, it, it's really sad. You know, it's a, a very sad time. The old song, Who's Gonna Fill Their Shoes, that mm-hmm. George Jones recorded. I don't know if there's anyone that can fill the shoes of the names we just mentioned. And it's very sad that it's the end of an era. But there's a lot of great country artists out there now who are carrying the banner. And hopefully they'll fill the shoes and carry on for us. Well, as we look ahead to the end of 2021, going into 2022, what's next for T.G. Shepard? I'm sure you've got a, a nice touring schedule put together. Well, you know, you can go to tgshepherd.com and see our tour dates. We have a pretty decent tour schedule, although some dates are starting to move now once again to 2022. But we have a very heavy concert schedule. I have a new YouTube channel that I want people to go to and, and uh, check out TG Shepherd YouTube channel. A lot of old shows, television shows, new shows, concert footage. And when you go there, be sure and punch the subscribe button so you'll be notified when new stuff goes up. So it, that, along with uh, with our website, uh, it, it just we're just we just keep doing what we love to do, and that's making music. Well, TG, I think I can speak for a lot of fans here, certainly our listeners, when I say you know we love you around our parts here in Southeast Missouri. I grew up on your music from just listening to it from my mom and dad. You got a lot of fans here, and. Is there anything else uh, you'd like to say to them or just mention before we let you go today, T.G.? Well, other than just to say thank you to you and to the station and to anyone who has enjoyed what I do for a long time, a big thank you goes out to those people because I still love what I do today as much as I did the day I started. And I'm very blessed to be able to make a living doing what I love so much. And it's just it's a joy to be able to do radio like this with you because I want to pay you a great compliment. Um, I do a lot of radio interviews myself on my show uh, the last few years. And really and truly, uh, very few people in radio master the art of, of interviewing. And you have. Your interviews, like this one today, Glenn, is not an interview. It's just a conversation between two people. And you're really great at it, my friend. Well, I sure appreciate that. That means a lot to me, especially coming from you, you know, somebody I admire and somebody I grew up listening to and someone who does a lot of the same things I do. So, TG, we sure appreciate it. Hey, do yourself a favor. Pick up Midnight in Memphis. It's TG Shepard's latest album, and it's pretty much available everywhere. Wherever you download music, you can find it, right? Yeah, anywhere music is downloaded, you'll find Midnight in Memphis. And I might add that the title track of that album, Midnight in Memphis, was written by my dear friend Barry Gibb of the Bee Gees. So... Be sure and check it out. I think you'll enjoy it. I, I thank you so much today, Glenn. You, you're just a joy to talk with, and it's great to visit with you. When your heroes turn out to be nice guys, it's always pretty cool, isn't it? T.G. Shepard, our guest tonight. Thank you again, T.G. This has been great. Thank you.